Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning, everybody. If you're with us online, welcome. We sure are glad that you are here. If we have not yet had an opportunity to meet, my name is Mark. I am the pastor here. And as always, it is a thrill to be here in God's house with you today and with you online as well, whether you're experiencing this live or at some, excuse me, other part point during the week. Today, we're beginning a new message series that will take us through the month of February, where it's called Sorry. Now, some of you may remember last fall, after we had finished planning out the rest of 2023, gotten through the Christmas stuff, I asked folks, what are some of the things that you would like for us to cover as and themes and worship? And I'll tell you what, we got some really great responses. In fact, our messages through uh, February and March and into April are going to be covering those very topics. But one of the themes that came up over and over and over again was about forgiveness. Now, I'm going to offer a quick word of confession For some reason today, I have been extremely anxious about this message. And it's not because I really struggle with forgiveness, or at least I don't think I struggle with forgiveness. Uh, But perhaps it is one of those things where God is asking me to make sure I get out of the way so that his word can shine through. So if there's anyone in here this morning who is struggling with the idea of forgiveness, what it is, what it isn't, then I hope this message, you find it helpful, because it might just be God trying to speak to and through you today. So welcome as we kick off our message series entitled, Sorry. So... Sorry. If you have not yet done so and you would like to follow along with our fill-in-the-blank follow-along notes, they are available on the Hope Church Plus app as well as the insert inside of your info guide. I would invite those, invite those who are interested in following along that way uh, to do so. But where we really begin with this whole idea of a message series called Sorry and Learning to Forgive is what the actual word sorry means. Now, of course, this has some connotations to the board game. We're playing those games right away. But the whole idea about sorry is it comes from an old English and Germanic word that we also know as sore. Sore. Now, when we think about the word sore, what comes to mind? What, what comes to your mind when you hear and you think about the word sore? Aches and pains, what was one of here? Yeah, achy muscles. Hurt, yeah. Being angry, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I can, oh, was there another hand that went over here? Did I miss one? I, for some reason, when I think about the word sorry coming from the word sore, it takes me back to the time when I was watching Leave it to Beaver with my, uh, with my grandfather, my nana, my papa. And, you know, Beaver's like, I sure am sore about that, Wally. You know, something along those lines. Um, it was part Leave it to Beaver, part Elmo. I guess, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But the whole idea about sore means that we have something that leaves us feeling off or uncomfortable, discomfort. 
And when we have something that is sore, we want to try to be unsore, right? To feel better. Now, there also is a connection to the word that we know as sorrow, though linguists say probably that was an unintentional thing. But when we begin to think about forgiveness from a biblical standpoint, because it is foundational to our life as followers of Jesus and believers in God's mercy and grace, the Bible calls us to feel sorrow over sin. To grieve our sin because our sin grieves the heart of God. We go back into the book of Genesis when God decides that he's going to have to basically wipe everything out on earth and start over. And he invites Noah to start building the ark and, uh, and then prepare for the flood. The thing that we read about that was that humanity was so sinful and that broke God's heart. There have been times that I've read that and just kind of scooted past it. And there have been times when I'm called to like, marinate in it, in a way, because of the times when my sin has broken God's heart to the point where he might just want to smite me right where I stand and start over. Yet here I am. Not smited in the way that I might have expected, you know, to get blown up walking into the church. And some people say, you know, I don't know if I can go to church. The walls might fall down. They haven't yet. And since we're almost 25 years in this building, odds are pretty good that it's going to make it at least one more week. But the scripture tells us that we need to grieve our sinfulness, grieve the things that separate us from God, because sin breaks God's heart. And sin is at the root of the things that can cause us to be sore, to find and to feel sorrow, and also to be called to move beyond it. Sin is an archery term in the Greek that means we miss the mark. Sometimes we miss the mark because we do not even attempt to aim for the target. Sometimes we attempt our best with the aim, but we don't take into account the conditions around us that might cause our proverbial arrow to go off course. And of course, the conditions might be perfect and we might have our aim lined up and someone else who isn't paying attention to what's going on bumps into us and causes us to miss the mark altogether. We can take the whole idea of aiming at archery and realize that it is a beautiful metaphor to the way that we so frequently live life if we are not careful. We can try our best to aim but if we are not taking into account the conditions around us, i.e. our culture, our society, or if we're not taking into account the mistakes that other people might make that impact and affect us regardless, we don't even attempt to aim. We can feel sorrow and sore from our misses and our messes. Now God did wipe out the earth and everything on it, in it, except for Noah and his family and the animals that came two by two to the ark. After the flood, God put a what in the clouds? A rainbow to say that I'm going to deal with humanity's sin another way from this point forward. What was that other way? It was Jesus, the cross. That's right. That's the plan that God put into motion 
when the floodwaters receded and the ark settled and the dove found the olive tree and removed a branch. The Holy Spirit, peace, God made a decision that he was going to come and deal with sin himself. And he came in the person, his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life to lead us back to God, to show to us how the heartbeat of heaven beat for me. And he took our sins to the cross where they were nailed with him to the tree and buried in the earth. Never to be seen again. Even when Christ walked out of the empty tomb, or the tomb that is now empty, he did so leaving the power of sin and death over us. So we now come to find salvation for our souls through Christ and the forgiveness of sin. Amen. Our first passage for this morning comes from the book of Colossians, the first chapter, verses 13 through 14. And what we read from this, talking about how Jesus saved us from the power of sin, is that God rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. He set us free through the Son and forgave our sins. This is how the gospel message came to be, that we are saved through the forgiveness of sins. Now pay attention to how these words appear for us on the page or the screen, or however it is that you're reading this today, is that God rescued us from the control of darkness. Now, on one hand, the Apostle Paul, who wrote these words in a letter to the church at Colossae, very well could have, could have said that it is the power of darkness over you and in you, but he's not just talking about the physical darkness that might cause us to feel paralyzed to where we're afraid to move forward, but a spiritual sense of darkness, right? A spiritual form of darkness that causes us to to wonder and to worry and to question and doubt that we can be saved through the forgiveness of our sins. You might be saying, Pastor, you don't know my sins, and you're right, I probably don't, but Jesus does. And you can be transferred, right? Like in a job, you want to get promoted, but it requires transfer. You are transferred from one location to another out of a place that is filled with darkness and grief and anger and sin into a place of faith and peace and hope and light. This is how God rescues you from the control of darkness and transfers you into the kingdom of the Son that He loves that was purchased and secured by the forgiveness of sins with Christ's death on the cross and the blood that poured from his body. So God forgives us, forgives our sins and transfers us from the control of darkness, anger, grief, angst, whatever, into the light where there's faith and hope and love. God offers this to you as a gift. But leave it to God to not leave it there, right? He wants us to live lives of forgiveness as well. It's not just something that comes to us and stops here. It's something that comes to us, and God wants that power, that love, that grace, that mercy to surge and emanate through us out into a lost and a broken world. But this can be so difficult, right? 
I don't know if you've seen the meme that's been circulating on Facebook a good bit lately. It talks about how people can think forgiveness is something rather simple until they have something to forgive. Right? Have you experienced that? That forgiveness, if it's just a concept, is one thing. But when you have to put the concept, make it a precept, and put it into action, that becomes something altogether different, doesn't it? Sometimes we need our grudges. Sometimes we hold on to our grudges because we're afraid of what life would be like without those grudges. And sometimes we even allow those grudges to become our identity. We need the power of forgiveness in our lives so that we are no longer called to identify by the grief and the grudges and the anxiety that we face in life, we feel in life, we've experienced whether it was something done to us or something that we've done. And we need to move that into the world just as God did for us. This is throughout the Gospels in particular. Jesus says, forgive as you have been what? Say forgiven. Forgiven, that's exactly right. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And at the root of that is an action word. It's something that we give. It's a gift. But what if forgiveness is not just a gift that we give to an offender, but a gift that we give to ourselves? I want to say that again. What if forgiveness isn't a gift that we give to an offender, but a gift that we give to ourselves? So the first installment in this first message of our series on forgiveness is to look at what forgiveness is versus what forgiveness is not. And let's start there first because there can frequently be some misconceptions about what forgiveness is versus what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not mean that you forget an infraction over you. Forgiveness does not mean that you forget it. Why is that? Because sometimes we need to be reminded of the forgiveness that we've been given so that we can give it to someone else. And forgetting, just really quite frankly, is not part of most of our human natures. Some of us are really good at forgetting. Some of us learn. <laughs> but that's the message for another day. But we have to be reminded that forgiveness does not mean we forget. You know, God is the only person who has the ability to completely forget. It blows me away. He says, I will forgive you of, my, of your sins and I will remember them no more. So, oh, I wish that I had that ability to do that when people have offended me, hurt my feelings, betrayed my trust. All that's happened, some of it's happened recently, Right? Forgiving is not forgetting. Because there are also lessons that we need to learn from the bumps and the lumps that we take in life, right? And we can't forget some of those times that we've had to walk away from a situation or run away from a circumstance or something that would otherwise pull us in and do us harm. So we need the wisdom that we learn when it comes time to forgive. The second thing about forgiveness is that we see it doesn't mean that you no longer hurt, right? 
This is another one of those misconceptions that we can oftentimes take into forgiveness, is that sometimes we can forgive somebody and it still hurts. One of the most common things that I encounter in my own personal life and in my life as a pastor is when someone comes to me and say, you know, pastor, I thought I forgave so-and-so, but it still hurts. I thought I forgave Alex Anthopoulos, but every time I see Freddie Freeman and Dodger Blue, it still hurts. Right? Thank you, Jamie. Can I get a witness? I forgive and I haven't forgotten. And I love Matt Olson, but we're not going to get into the Braves yet. Although spring training is right around the corner. Right? It doesn't mean that we no longer hurt. But what it means is we are going to give control of our life, not to the hurt that we feel, but to the healer of our souls. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who took our sins and nailed them to the cross with him, buried them in the tomb that is now emptied as he walked out triumphantly, saying, I have overcome sin and death, and you are forgiven. All you have to do is accept and receive me. So forgiveness does not mean that you forget. It also doesn't mean that you don't hurt. There's a great story about the founder of the Red Cross, Clara Barton, and she was re-engaging into a relationship with somebody. I don't know the full details of the story, but she had been terribly wounded and hurt by this person. And as she was beginning to reestablish relationship over time, someone said, can you, how can you do that? Don't you remember what so-and-so did to you? And she said, I distinctly remember forgetting that. She remembered the pain. She remembered the hurt. But she was no longer going to allow her life to be controlled by it. So, if forgiveness is not forgetting, and it means that we no longer hurt, it also means that you do not have to quit seeking justice. Justice in God's economy means that everything is made whole. Now, there is only a sliver of that that we can accomplish in this life and on this planet because we don't have the ability to make everyone or everything whole. But what it does is it seeks out justice. It seeks to take what was once a right and turn it into something that at least moves closer and closer to good. Remember, God says in the good book that all things can work together for good for those who love Jesus and are called according to his purpose, right? Purpose of showing forgiveness and mercy and grace and forgiveness and reflecting the love of God in the world. That's the purpose of God. So even the, the terrible things that come to you of your own making or of someone else's bad decision or neglect, God can make something good of that. And so we need to continue to seek justice. Pastor Brent's going to have more on that in a couple weeks, but that's just a little sliver where we're starting. One of the other things that's huge for us to remember is that forgiveness does not equal trust. This gets back to some of my comments about the first one too, right? We need to learn the messages and develop the, me the lessons and the wis into wisdom. I'm sorry, I messed that one up. We need to learn the lessons and develop them or allow God to develop them into wisdom for us because forgiveness does not mean that we automatically trust someone who has hurt us. In fact, someone who has hurt us, we may reveal or realize through what God's trying to reveal to us in the development of the wisdom is that the best thing for us is to separate from that person. I remember reading years and years ago, it said sometimes God removes 
people from your path for your protection. Don't chase them, right? There's another little meme that's circulating online right now that also really strikes me, is that God removed that person from your life because he heard conversations that you did not. Right? Whew. Come on, Jesus. Help keep me out of the way, because this is about you and your message, not me. We need to trust God, the one who gives us the forgiveness, and asks us to channel that back into the world. Jesus tells us to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, right? Jesus also tells us that there are times if we put ourselves out there in his name and we are rejected, that he grants us the permission to leave and knock the dust off our shoes as we go, as though to say, I'm not even carrying your dirt with me. It's not about automatically trusting someone who's hurt you or wounded you, but it's about putting trust in the Lord. And forgiveness does not have to be a one-time event. Kind of like my Clara Barton story. There are things that I know that I have done in my life where I feel like an absolute wretch that needs to be saved. And I have to forgive myself for that. Now, one might think, haven't you turned it over to God and asked him to forgive you? Wasn't God's forgiveness one and done perfect? Absolutely. But sometimes we have to be reminded not just that we have been forgiven, but that we are also called to do what? Say forgive. Forgive. And sometimes it can't just be a one-time event. It's not that we negate the forgiveness that we've been given, but it's about seeking to live into it and say, I know I have been forgiven, not but, dot, 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 but to say, I know I have been forgiven, so, or and. Empower me. Help me, lift me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So forgiveness needs to move from just holding it in our lives to God first. When we have been offended or we have offended someone, the first place we need to go is Facebook. Or Instagram. <laughs> or, or what was that, David? Yeah, Google. Let's not turn these tools into antisocial media and vent book. Although I wrestled with that some yesterday because I'm working on trying to forgive Wells Fargo for wronging me and my family. <laughs> if you saw my post yesterday, we can talk about it later. But it's all about saying when I feel hurt or wounded, or I have hurt or I have wounded, the first place I need to go is not social media, it's to God. And say, God, I confess my role in this. I confess what I did that hurt this situation or caused damage or wounded somebody. And then once you've done that business and that work with God, it enables and empowers you to move and allow that work as a vessel or conduit of God's love and mercy and grace through forgiveness to surge out into the world around you. So we've talked about what forgiveness is not. Let's talk about what forgiveness is. And I want you to notice the pattern 
that I will pull out toward the end, about how forgiveness is designed in our lives to work because of who God is and what God did for us. But before we go there, let's look at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, where we see, I am the God who forgives your sins, and I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. So we have to come to this series, sorry, after our January series, True Virtue, because True Virtue strive to help us understand that we need to be wise in who we are as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, and as a, an agent of reconciliation in a world that is so desperately in need of it. We had to look at how we develop lives of virtue before we jumped into this content about forgiveness. God forgave us because of who he is, not because of who we are. And so, if again, you might be sitting there saying, Pastor, you have no idea about what I need to be forgiven for. And I may say you're absolutely right, but God does. You can read this verse out of Isaiah and realize that God forgives you, not because of who you are or what you might have done, how you stunk up the joint. But God forgives you because of his nature, his personality, his heart. That's powerful. Remember what Jesus said on the cross shortly before he gave his last? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We are forgiven, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. Our sin, yes, it breaks God's heart, but he's already rolled out the solution for that in his son and our Savior Jesus. So forgiveness... What it is, is, and this might run contradictory to how you feel or think, but forgiveness begins with the offended. It begins with the offended. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone who refused to forgive until they received the apology that they thought they were due? I think we all probably can relate to that in some way, shape, form, or another. We've all been there, I think, to where we want to withhold our forgiveness as well until so-and-so has come and offered us a, an apology to say, I'm sore about this. I'm sorry for what I've done. And I grieve the sin. I grieve the mistake. The scripture tells us because God comes to us and brings us that forgiveness first through Jesus that says the offended is the one who needs to take forgiveness seriously. And that's because exactly what Jesus said that I paraphrased earlier. We are to forgive because of what has been forgiven in our lives. Forgiveness usually begins with the offended. Now, based on what I said a few moments ago, before we go and we bring someone a history lesson from hell, we are called to go to God first and say, Dear Lord, so-and-so really hurt me. And I really want to unload on them. I would like for you to call down lightning from heaven and blow them up. Right? We might be inclined to think or feel that way. But that's not the way that God wants us to, to live. Or to show our love for, to, and through the world. God wants us to go to him first. The reason this is, is it so that we don't become violent or calloused, right, or apathetic. 
to where we no longer care. Because the reality is we're always going to care. We'll never be able to forget that. We might not ever be able to get over the hurt. But we can allow the control over how we feel to go to God as opposed to our own hands. And so forgiveness, it starts with the offended because God forgives your sin. Now, I hope you noticed a little verb tense there about how forgiveness works. God forgave your sin. God forgives your sin. I'm going to get to this side of the room in a few minutes about how God promises to forgive your sins. But we experience the grace of God that comes to us in forgiveness outside of our own concept of time. God has forgiven our sins in the past. God forgives our sins right now, and God promises to forgive our sins into the future. For one of the primary reasons is that sometimes we don't know when we have sinned. We don't know when we've made a mistake. And this also brings us back to that reason God wants us to go to him first when we feel that we've been offended as opposed to going to the other person and blowing them up or becoming apathetic. God needs to keep us soft and malleable, reminding us of how he has forgiven us. And when we go to that other person, we don't go with a whole bunch of you language. You did this. You said that. You neglected this. You forgot to take out the trash. You didn't walk the dog. You didn't whatever, right? It begins with here. I feel this because of that. I feel wounded and attacked because of whatever the circumstance is. But forgiveness also calls us and beckons us to seek out where we might have also been part of the problem. I had a phone call about that with somebody who we experienced broken relationship and it broke my heart. I still hurt over it. And it had been a year or longer between when we had spoken and I said I want to ask for your forgiveness about how our relationship broke down. And I hope that I can be forgiven as well. And that person said, well, why are you asking forgiveness? You didn't really do anything wrong. Well, I appreciate that, but I did have a role to play in how our relationship broke down, how our friendship ended, and I need to take ownership of that because I need to forgive as I have been forgiven. What this helps us to realize is that even though God gives us forgiveness that exists outside of our understanding of space, past, present, and future, what God has done in Christ is he has completely canceled our sin debt. Every single one of us, without Jesus in our lives, has read in our life ledger that is being tracked and recorded in eternity. Every single one of us has read in our ledger. But thanks be to God that there are red letters to counteract the red ledger this says you are forgiven through the power of Jesus Christ and God is going to transfer you out of the darkness into the kingdom of light. Your sin debt has been canceled past, present, future. So now when everyone or anyone looks at your ledger, they see paid in full. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus died a death you could not die to give you a gift that you cannot earn. 
which is his complete and total forgiveness. And all he asks for you to do is to believe in him and commit to living your life for him. And so, if God has canceled your sin debt, then that brings about another responsibility on your side, is that you are now forfeiting your right for revenge. You forfeit your right for revenge. If you need to all of a sudden review what forgiveness is not, I don't blame you. Because how do I reconcile all of this with the hurt, the woundedness I carry, the memories I have? How can I forfeit my right for revenge? The book of Romans, God tells us, don't live a life of revenge. Rather, live a life of grace and mercy. And even your enemies... When you're good to them and kind to them, it's like heaping burning coals on their head. That's in the Bible, right? Doesn't that seem weird? You do your best, and their conscience is going to feel like you have poured heaping burning coals all over their head. It says your conscience is clear because your slate is clean. You've been given forgiveness past, present, and future. And your sin debt has been canceled. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody who you do life with is going to remember what you were like before if you've been an offender. Let God work on them in that. You do what you've got to do to be that agent of reconciliation, that ambassador of grace that God has called you to be. Because our fifth point here is forgiveness calls us to commit to doing good and not evil. To live in that kingdom of light and not darkness. To forfeit any self-proclaimed right to offend or to seek revenge, knowing that your sin debt has been canceled. You are forgiven in Jesus. And you, as the offended, can do the work that God wants you to do and put it to rest in your relationship with him. Even if it means that you have to offer forgiveness to your mortal enemy, remember, it is not a gift that you give to that person. It's a gift to yourself that says, I am no longer going to carry the weight and the burden of holding this grudge in my life. Because to do so, it keeps my feet firmly planted in the kingdom of darkness. And I want to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. And we do that, as the good book tells us, we have fellowship with one another. Those who we've wronged, those who've been wronged by us, and in our relationship with God, where sin constantly breaks his heart. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 gives us some really wise advice. I love the connotation here. Bear with each other. Isn't that just so real and honest? All the people that it's hard to bear. All the people it's hard to get along with. But the good book tells us, bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance or a grudge against someone, why? Read it with me. To forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
As the band comes and makes their way up to close us out in our last psalm this morning, Mercy, it is the mercy of God that enables and empowers us to live this kind of a life. Friends, forgiveness is not easy because of how it runs alongside, parallel and sometimes perpendicular to our human experience, where we deal with the woundedness that we feel in our relationships with others. The times when the messes and the misses and the mistakes are on us or when they're on other people. But this is precisely why God says, come to me first and let's work on this together. And that, my friends, is the opportunity that we're going to take advantage of right here and right now as the band leads us in our last song. I want to invite you to come forward and to spend some time with God. Do some work with your creator and ask him to show you how you have been forgiven and how you were called to live a life of mercy and forgiveness for others. To reveal to you the areas and those places where you've been holding grudges and you need to turn them loose for your sake so that you can be that ambassador of hope and love and light that God has called and challenged you to be. So, I want to close this in prayer. As the band plays, if you want to come and spend some time about the front of the altar here this morning, I want to invite and encourage you to pray into that power of forgiveness that God has in store for you here today. Join me, please. Living and loving God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this morning where we are able to come together and contemplate what it means to forgive. You call us to remember that we have first been forgiven. And as a result of that, you want us to be vessels and conduits of your mercy into a world that is so desperately in need of it that we might show others how we've been forgiven and how we can forgive others as well. Lord, but I know that isn't always easy for us to hear. And so I seek on behalf of all of us gathered here in this room who are experiencing this message online for us to think about how we can realize that we have been forgiven and so we are called to forgive others and in the midst of that learn the lessons and develop the wisdom from the offense that we've experienced reconciliation doesn't always mean that we restore that relationship because there are times we need to go our own ways while we're being wise as serpents yet innocent as doves and knocking the dust off our sandals as we do so so that we don't have to carry anybody else's dirt with us and that ultimately gets to where we need to be today. You don't want us carrying around these grievances and grudges. Not at all. You want us to be liberated from them. Offering them to you and living into the power that you've forgiven us to and through. And so, Lord God, before we go and do anything else with this content of forgiveness today, what it is and what it is not, I pray that we come to you first so that in you, we can give thanks for the forgiveness that we've been granted and commit to live into it for you and for the world. Thanks to your Son and our Savior Jesus who developed us and delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and into your wonderful light. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get 
the service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.